welcome to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott. And I'm Jake Michaels. This is a podcast about people who love tabletop games, interviewing people who love tabletop games about the tabletop games they love. Jake, you did such a good job with the tagline. Yeah, I added the extra challenge of reading it from your laptop across the table, too. That was impressive. Yeah. This is why people should watch the YouTube version if I ever put it up. Anyway, this week our guest is Chelsea Schwartz. Chelsea is the founder of High Voltage Magazine. It's a nerd culture publication and events company that's been a part of the cultural scene since 2003. In addition, she produces tabletop events throughout Southern California and produces scavenger hunts at Disneyland. She co-curates a scene at Disneyland Instagram, at Disney Observer. You wear so many hats. You are known as the Mad Hatter because of all those hats you wear. So we'll just leave it at that. Chelsea, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. here. All right. Now, today we're going to talk about something you're very passionate about, which is connecting people with their tabletop tribe and how to find that tribe wherever you might be, as well as some games you love, specifically... Disney's villainous because Disney's your jam, and Tanto Quarry by Japanime. Ah, and then uh, if we have time, we'll we'll talk about another fun push your luck game, Push by Ravensburger. And uh, so that's that's our topic preview section. That was great. Can you tell us about world news? (laughs) (laughs) You want me to fill you in on world news? If you could fill me in too, that'd be great. Yeah, Jake, go. Well, at the time of this recording, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Mueller just made a fine, I guess, statement. It was cool. Yeah, was and relevant. also, The Handmaid's Tale is real. Are you referring to the abortion laws? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. The Handmaid's Tale is real now. Uh, that's that's the latest update. Um, no, I meant <laughs> the bullet point I have put in our outline, which is, everybody, oh, tabletop Origins world. 2019 is Woo. coming up June 12th to 16th. If you're in or around the Ohio area, head on down to Columbus, get your tickets, and go to some convention center that's probably there. Chelsea, are you going? I'm not going to Origins this year, and I'm a little sad about it. It's so much fun. You've been in the past? I have been in the past. What's your favorite thing about, what makes that con distinct? Uh, I mean... Origins and Gen Con, both of them are just like a mecca in the United States for gaming. I was like, and if you're a tabletop fan, getting to see all of the new things coming out, getting access to promo cards you might not get elsewhere, and just meeting people that love what you do. There's nothing better. Yeah. Any board game focused con is always the best time ever. Would you say which ones are the big boys or the big girls or whatever, respectively? The big kids uh, on yeah, the, the playground. Yeah, yeah. So Origins is definitely one. Gen Con's one. What are the What are the big board game cons that we you would just all agree them. on? Yeah. Okay. You, you Those literally are the two. Them. There's a, and then well, there's, there's a lot of medium sized ones too. But are, well, are the, there then any? there's also Essen, but in Europe. Well, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In yeah, Spiel, which means play in Essen, Germany. I went yes. for the first time last year. And I was invited this year and cannot make it, and oh, I'm very sad I'll about I'll go that. for you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk. All right. So, that was the news. Oh, got it. Thank you. <laughs> um, also, women don't have control of their own bodies. Okay. Just a couple. <laughs> little side note. <laughs> it's just a thing that's always on my mind and making me angry all the time. Um, but I'm a happy person, so we'll talk about games. Yeah, sure. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Chelsea, yes. can you tell everybody more about High Voltage, what it is, what it does, where they can find it, why they should find it? Absolutely. Uh, High Voltage started in 2003 actually primarily as a music magazine, and we actually were a print magazine for more than 10 years. Uh, In the final three years of it, I switched to being a nerd culture format because I just realized I'm a nerd and I want to talk about more things than just music, although I still love music. It is my first love. And so we opened up the format and... Uh, We ended up putting the print issues on an indefinite hiatus. We hope maybe one day to bring it back. It's just everything's in the digital space now and nobody wants print and advertising wants to go digital. And so now we've got our website. We have a YouTube. We have a podcast. Uh, You can go to IamHighVoltage.com and find links to everything, including our social media. And that's pretty much why we do it and where you can find it. Um, I especially just really love I just love being a nerd. You know, and I was like, that's literally what it is at the end of the day. And I want to share that passion. I'm very, I'm one of those people that prefers to just do what you love for a living. I don't understand 
how people can like have a job in accounting that they hate and just get through it every day. Like I, I want to share my passions with the world and then I want that to inspire other people. And that's why High Voltage is, is there. <laughs> hey, don't feel bad if you work in accounting. You got to pay the bills. We get it. But I mean, some people are also, passionate about accounting. I'm just not. I, I'm passionate about spreadsheets, so I can understand. <laughs> um, I want to talk about that moment you mentioned when, three years ago that you switched from being music-focused with High Voltage to being coming out in your full, saying, we are nerd culture now. Right. And, and was that part of a personal transformation to be more outwardly nerdtastic as well? Uh, I, I think it was a little bit of everything. I came from music industry. I toured with various rock bands for most of my life. And I find the biggest one. Uh, oh my God. I mean, I, I worked with the Killers. I worked <gasps> with uh, The Darkness, was my favorite tour that I ever did. Yeah. Uh, yes! Those boys are amazing. I love. Is that the right band? Yes, that is love. <gasps> oh, I got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, was, uh, I also was really close with Imagine Dragons, and I toured with Miley Cyrus, and yeah, all sorts of amazing things. Wow. <laughs> Becca's mind blown right now. Like, literally. Breathe, inhale. It's okay. There's a Twitch streamer named the Asian Avenger, uh, David Wynn, and he's said his band used to tour with Imagine Dragons, and he now he plays a lot of magic on Twitch. Um, anyway, side note. All right, then. You, you guys would be friends, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Probably were on the same tour at some point. Maybe. Uh, you cross paths with a lot of people when you're constantly touring the world. Uh, That's yeah, so I, crazy. I, I, I crossed 30, and then I was like, I want to live somewhere and plant roots and like- yeah. I, I started to just connect more. I went to my first San Diego Comic-Con, so this was about seven years ago. And then I just was like, oh, my God, look at all these people in the exhibit hall dropping, like, thousands of dollars on limited edition stuff. And I was like, and I got so excited about everything happening, and I was like, I want to do this. And that's kind of where the decision came from. And I, I was there with two of my other staff members at the time, and all of us were just having the time of our lives. And before that, South by Southwest was always our favorite thing. And so we were like, oh, my God, now we have South by and Comic-Con to look forward to every year. And we wanted to be able to talk about it. So we reformatted. And that was six or seven years ago. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, that's a real reformat, too. Like, you weren't dabbling in nerd stuff back then, either. It was pretty no, much it purely was, music, too. it was too, purely right? music. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big endeavor. Yeah. That's great. And it feels good. It feels really good. Right on. Yeah. Let's talk about your staff, which is such a cool term to say, my (laughs) staff, Um, because I was cruising through the staff page of the High Voltage website, and it is mostly women. Yes. It's super dope. Was that on purpose or that sort of happened? No, it just naturally happened. Uh, Fun fact, when High Voltage started in 2003, I started with seven other women as my partners that were just my close friends. And then naturally over like five years, everyone was like, I want to be a doctor or something that just pays a lot more money than (laughs) (laughs) Than print media. And uh, I I just became left with High Voltage because I was like, well, I still want to do this. And then all of the other people that naturally just kind of fell into place ended up primarily being women, which was kind of crazy and cool. Yeah. What's that environment like and what's it been like at being voices, women's voices in the nerd culture world, which there's often not enough of? Is that something that is a, sort of a mission of high voltage? or It's not a mission. It's not anything we even consciously think about. And it's really funny because... I've been around so many empowered women my entire life that I never noticed the little struggles that we have or like how much much harder it is for us to like get certain places than men get. Uh, I was like, and every now and then I'll meet somebody from a different outlet that'll be male and I'll be like, how did you end up getting that contact at Paramount? And like, you just start to realize that there's a little bit of a separation, but it's never bothered me. I've always been a person that doesn't believe in the word no. Like, to, to me, it's not now or something better is coming. Like, you know, like I, I, I just keep pushing forward. Yeah, you definitely do. And that's something that uh, we've just met a few times before this, but, you know, keep up on social media. And I'm always impressed by how much you do and how much you take on. Yes. It, you're, you just seem to always be everywhere and thinking of everything. It's very impressive. Thank that's you. not a question. It's just a compliment. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um. And in return, I actually feel the same way about you. Oh, that's Aww. sweet. I feel exhausted all the time. Oh, so do I. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But we hide it well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ask my next question Ask for your next me. question. <laughs> <laughs> well, so actually, I kind of want to like... You ask your own question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just one person. Do you here. have any compliments to give? Or? <laughs> yeah. No, I'll take all of the compliments. It's just... Let me get that doc up. Um, 
Um, well, actually, yeah, I want to talk about more about like what it's like kind of switching formats. Like that still kind of fascinates me in terms of like breaking into the nerd culture a little bit. It because... was definitely a shift because when I first was like, okay, we're going to talk about TV and film now. And you'd reach out to right. like NBC. They'd be like, you Who don't have you? anything on your site that's about this. Why should we give you anything? Yeah. So it's fascinating to me that you can kind of just do a whole shift there. And also, I think it's relevant to people who might be wanting to get into this uh, from a fresh start. So what was your experience or like, what's, what's it like? I mean, there was definitely some hurdles, but it just didn't stop us. So at the beginning, it was like, okay, so we don't have the content. You want to see that on our site. And one, cheers to you for going to my site and actually making sure that it was a right fit. Like, yeah. I thought that was impressive. So then we were just like, okay, we'll write some TV recaps without getting episodes in advance. We're just going to write them in real time as soon as we watch with the rest of the world yeah. and get it up as quick as possible. And then after we had a couple of those, we started to show, okay, yeah, so we don't have the content, but see, we're building it. And then they were like, Okay, we'll give you a try. And because of our experience as journalists for all of the years before that, everybody just started to go, oh, this is high quality content. And it was a lot easier for us. See, that's what that's what's fascinating to me is that like I'm not saying that's not a lot of work. You did a lot of work for that. But it's like it's kind of a simple process in that like you do it and you just do it like you go out and you write it the night of you don't think about how good it needs to be you just start doing it and you trust in yourself and your instincts and go Absolutely. for it right yeah I like how you that can build the confidence it. yes yeah and you earn the confidence as opposed to like needing to find it first like the needing to find it first seems to be a real block in the creative process and I like that you just dive in and don't worry too much right absolutely I think that's where people get hung up is people like you just say, I'm going to do it and do then it. it'll happen. But people people think the hard hardest step is just doing it. Taking that first step is really hard for yeah, a lot of people. Is, yeah. There's a lot of self-doubt and people are in their heads often about like, am I good enough? Will people care about this? And you just you can't worry about it. You just have to do it. And some people won't care. And that's fine. There's always there's always haters, you know, yes. and this hate is, is going to hate. Yeah. And it, it's part of just saying. I don't care. I'm going to do the thing and you can like it or not like it, but I like it. Yeah. So that's on you. Mic drop. I mean, I, I, I like point. that too, but I also like the fact that sometimes we are the haters of other things too. And it's also, we should also take that attitude of, I don't care because like if you let something bother you a lot in a certain way that doesn't have to, like your, your appreciation of a fandom or like your, analysis of someone else's work why are you letting that bother you so like you shouldn't care either too much right absolutely okay i remember why i paused for a long time we talked about something that is so impressive right before we started rolling which is um tell me how old you were when you first started working as a professional journalist i started writing for teen people magazine when i was 14 Oh, yeah, yes. that's great. And and then from my credit at Team People, I also started writing for a regional Texas newspaper, and I started writing for Just Push Play and Starstruck Magazine, which were online magazines at the time. And yeah, so I think that's another parallel example. I'm assuming you didn't need to go to journalism school because you were already a journalist. Nope. And not to not to poo poo on school, I'm just saying I still went to college. I went to college for audio engineering, actually, so I could do oh. things like we're currently doing. Right on. Oh, Annalise, you got a little competition here. Watch out. <laughs> Chelsea's. Oh, no. Annalise is weeping in the control booth. No, she wasn't being serious. <laughs> That's amazing. Why audio engineering? I, I've always been fascinated by soundboards. Uh, my dad was a musician growing up. I spent a lot of time in studios. And I, that big, impressive analog board, now you have these little digital boards, but that big studio board, I used to just be like, what do the buttons do? I want to push one. Yeah, that was the closest <laughs> thing we got to the bridge of the Enterprise yes, when we were kids, right? Absolutely. That I know what you're talking about. Very much so. All right. Let's segue over to this topic I wrote down. <laughs> that was your best segue yet. Oh, my God. Wait, Today, do you want to talk about gaming that. on a show that's kind of about games? Is, is no, that, no, not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the community that you game with. Okay. And not particularly My the, game, who you game but with. But that I'm building. Yeah. yeah. What, what is your philosophy on how people can find their tribe? So I started doing tabletop events or board game nights, however you'd prefer to call them. Um, themed parties, if you will, even. Uh, because I was a nerd that had a stack of board games and nobody to play with. And then I met uh, my, who is now my best friend, Will, and he had a larger stack of board games, still shrink-wrapped, and nobody to play with. <laughs> and I went, there has to be so many people like us that are like this. And I was like, we should give them a place to come and make friends and play board games. 
And I also just I get really frustrated that everything happens behind a screen now. You know, everyone's watching something on YouTube. They're mm-hmm. on their phone. They're on their laptop. They're staring at the TV. And the importance of human connection is, I feel like, highly underrated and very necessary for mental health. And I wanted to just start getting people out of their apartments and doing something fun. And it was uh, board games are a great way to break the ice and bond with people, even if you're highly competitive. Still fun. (laughs) Very much so. And uh, it's called Players Wanted is what you name your game. Yes. Right. And you have crazy themes. There's uh, you just did a Greece theme not that long ago. We're doing that at the end of June, June 24th, actually. Yeah. Future time. I can read dates. Yeah. Dates. (laughs) Dates are fun. How does Um, one do a Greece themed board game night? So we're going to feature Welcome to uh, from Deepwater Games. Yes. We just talked about it. Like it's a nice like retro looking game set in the 50s. I was like, so it works. Uh, We're. All of our theme nights, how they work is that every Monday night at Scum and Villainy Cantina here in Hollywood, yeah. uh, we pick a theme. We encourage people to dress up. If you dress up, uh, even for us, dressing up it could be a T-shirt. You can wear a baseball cap. You can be in full cosplay. Thank you. That's dressing up. I really up. appreciate that. Yes. As a guy who struggles to dress up for some of those events. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, as long as you've made any effort, like a button on your shirt, you get an extra Great. raffle ticket for that. We do. That's th- nice, but I don't agree. I'm going to be the counterpoint here. Go for it, Jake. You're an actor. <laughs> I'm an actor too, and I'd rather. (laughs) I'm an actor. I like dressing up when I'm on set. I hate dressing up outside of it. I'm not afraid to, or and no shame in others who do. It's just more like it's an effort I don't need to go through, and I also don't want to wear a costume when playing games. Right? (laughs) Like I just want to be comfortable. Yeah, I want to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, but we have plenty of people that love dressing up, and they only get to do it at Comic Con, and they like to have other places to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Now they've got a regular spot too. So. Uh, you, so you get an extra ticket for dressing up. We have theme drinks. I curate a playlist that relates to the theme. So obviously Greece will be like mainly like the soundtrack and then 50s and 60s jams, you yeah. know. Um, and we give away raffle prizes every hour. And like uh, the game, we, the raffle prizes consist of the stuff like board games, but also things that relate to the theme. So recently we did a Pokemon night. And Warner Brothers was kind enough to send us a bunch of Detective Pikachu ears oh, that light nice. up. Oh, cool. So we gave away a bunch of light up Pikachu ears, you know, stuff like that. And for Greece, you're going to give away a Thunderbird. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, no. I wish. <laughs> if there's somebody out there that would like to give us a Thunderbird, a Thunderbird to donate and give out. You hear that, I Warner mean, Brothers? We'll take it, you know? Yeah. Who's got them T-Birds? They're <laughs> who's, not who's looking Who's got cool. Grease Lightning? Whose daddy's gonna give away a T-bird? That's a song lyric, right? <laughs> Where are my pink ladies at? <laughs> right here. Rizzo all the way. Nice. Oh, <laughs> the ultimate rebel. You I know? feel like Sandy. Sandy. <laughs> Sandy was trying pretty hard Look at the me. end, though. She I'm was. Sandra D. Yeah. Uh, she looked great in those leather pants, though. Oh, yeah, she did. Wasn't it true she couldn't? get those on like they actually had to like sew them onto her I've never heard that, that I kind of want to look that up now very yeah. True. yeah I think they did that's Somebody how I'm gonna start applying my pants <laughs> <laughs> we all put our pants on the same way <laughs> sewn on by professional but, costumers but, by little mice right like Cinderella <laughs> yeah. yes yeah oh that's a good one I need some of those mice yeah okay uh, what is a meta game for one of these events oh yeah so we've gotten in a habit of like okay so we have board games and then occasionally once a month we do D&D one-shot sessions, which are related to the theme. And I was uh, I was inspired by a game called Pretense from AEG, which is a meta game. It's a game within a game. So you give people objectives to do while you're already playing a game. So like you oh have to get God. somebody to hand you the rule book. But if <laughs> they call you out going, oh, that's your thing, then you lose. And then they take your ID card. And there's a whole bunch of things like so that. So you need a pretense to ask for the rule book. Yeah, exactly. Oh or, or it could be like, I get somebody to change the song that's playing. You know, it's like stuff like that. So that's brilliant. It, it's amazing. So it gives you extra objectives. And we have a reward system for our program. And uh, I wanted to also give a way to get people to bond more and have other chances to like get points. And so we started creating metagames. So like for our clue night, I actually created a murder mystery within the night (gasps) that people got to do while they were playing like board games. Um, So cool. uh, For our Game of Thrones night, we actually built the wall (gasps) and we assigned everyone that came in to one of six remaining houses for the current season. And then as you did things like if you buy specialty drinks or if you play games or win games, you earn points. Every time your house earned like 25 points, you got to put an army at one of the castles. And occasionally the White Walkers were attacking and we had built 
full-size custom White Walker die that people oh got to throw in the God. bar. What? And <gasps> yeah, Team Baratheon. Yeah. So my really, favorite living house. House Tully ended up winning. <laughs> it was really funny. Tully's a great house. Right? Yeah. Don't want him to be king. Be, but be, The first two houses to get wiped out by the White Walkers were Lannisters and Starks, which I thought was very interesting. Starks makes sense. Lannisters, they're, they got a buffer zone. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that the Tullys didn't get taken well, so first. We, we had a bunch of little fun things built in like occasionally like you know uh, a war broke out between houses at Castle Black and uh, Daenerys dragons went crazy and just yeah, it's Dracarys. the dragons that went crazy. Yeah. Oh, why? <laughs> and, and it was literally oh. Dracarys and like the entire army at Castle Black got wiped out and like and it's funny because we did this within uh, four days before the premiere of the season of Game of Thrones and then watching them go yeah, crazy. I was like, mess. our metagame was real life. <laughs> okay, well, skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want spoilers. Uh, Maybe skip forward like five minutes. Okay, but <laughs> um, I can't go a single episode without talking about Game of Thrones, but you just made, gave me an idea. Maybe it wasn't Daenerys' fault at all. Maybe Drogon had the idea to burn down King's Landing. Okay, oh. spoiler over. Maybe they have some sort of like mental telepathy connection of like... Shh, no, but that doesn't go... She needs the excuse. Oh. Blame it on Drogon. Which was his, 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 his motivation. Like, Drogon is like Professor X, where like he can control her mind. Oh, that's what I I'm like saying. That. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. All right, dwell on that, friends. And when we come back, <laughs> we're gonna talk about some games. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott here with Jake Michaels. Hey, Becca. And Chelsea Schwartz. Hello. And we're talking about all kinds of stuff. No more Game of Thrones spoilers. I'm good, unless you guys have anything. Okay, we're going to talk about <laughs> Disney's Villainous. Woo! Yeah. I love this game. This is a great game. By Ravensburger? By Ravensburger. Wonderforge, which is under the umbrella of Ravensburger. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. For, I was like, that's not what I wrote down. By Wonderforge. And... Uh, do you want to describe how Villainous works? So in Villainous, you get to play one of six villains in the base game, or there's now an expansion with three additional villains. So Run there's to now, the core. Yeah, nine, nine options of villains you can play. Uh, what I really like about this game is that you are playing out the story of the villain you have while also screwing with the other villains at your table so that they don't hit their objectives. But you're basically in charge of your own game. and But uh, it's turn-based, uh, there's a little bit of like hand management going on. Um, it's just the theming, the art, mm-hmm. the every single villain is perfectly balanced in levels of difficulty. Except I feel like Queen of Hearts, she's absolutely mad, but like there's just a lot going on there. <laughs> you have to get lucky with those card draws. You though. really have to get lucky with Queen of Hearts. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a great game. It is a great game, and I very much enjoy it. And what really impressed me is the working within limitations that the designers had to do because they were told by Disney, we cannot shuffle a deck of Jafar cards into a deck of Queen of Heart cards. We right. just cannot do that because that can't is... can't mis- mix the properties. Yeah, the properties have to remain separate. And they, they were like, what? Okay. Uh, I guess that's possible. Let us think about this. And they made a game where each villain acts independently, but you still have a take that mechanic because if I uh, move my piece and on the location I move to, it has a a, a smite you symbol. I forget what we Destiny, call those. Destiny, I believe. It's called fate. Fate, a fate. fate. Yes. And I, I had done fate you. Uh, Which I, is I, a I little lightning bolt in a cl- cloud and being high voltage. I very much like that the fate <laughs> symbol is a lightning bolt. Yeah, because that's yes. the fun part is, is being able to take somebody down that you see is about to win. Yeah. Um, and you do that by drawing the card. Two cards from their fate deck, the white deck. I was like in getting to choose one of the cards to put onto their board, which covers two of their action spots. It's it's amazing. It's really well done. I love in Prince John when you pull out Maid Marian because she's beefy to defeat. And then when you defeat her, immediately Robin Hood just replaces her. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and each each character has an asymmetrical goal, uh, or each villain. Mm-hmm. And But what's interesting about that take that mechanic of, of the hero, the fate deck, is that each person has their own. So mm-hmm. you're still not mixing those properties, yep. but they're still interacting. And, and, and it's well balanced, too, because if you have a five or six player game, the fate token passes around so you can't fate someone twice so you don't feel like everyone's just picking on you because you had a better game. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, and you've got to pick on somebody else in between. Yeah. Yes. What I my, my one issue with this game, and you know I don't like to pick on games, but it's my podcast, and so I will. Uh, it does take a little long to end sometimes when you have... Sometimes it can run and with the more and more players. Exactly. And especially when you have players that are at the level where they're very aware of what other players are doing and watching your turn each turn, mm-hmm. that everybody will gang up on one person and then somebody else will get a little closer and they'll gang up on them. And so this game can... You can be one turn away from winning and then everybody fates you and then it takes another hour of play. Yep. It, but the amazing thing about that is usually when you're one turn away from winning in those games, almost everybody else is too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So everyone starts fading everyone and everyone just continuously is one more turn away from winning because something happened to them. It's right. a pretty brilliant game design and how they allowed themselves to be able to do expansions without interfering with any previous rules. I love too. that the Wicked to the Core you don't need the base game for. You yeah. can just play with those three villains. So brilliant. Yeah. But I mean, if you play that enough, you're going to be like, but what other villains exactly. are there? It's and so smart. the endless amount of villains to come. Oh, yeah. Watch Scar so bad. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and more Gaston. movies, more villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They are their own game within the game a little bit, too, which is really impressive. Yes. Yeah, I really liked that about it too. Like, um, Prince John's game is wildly different from Jafar's. Yes. Um, but they both are playing the but same. But also completely on point to their film, yes. you know? Yeah. So, like, if you're not a huge Disney fan, but you love Alice in Wonderland, you could still enjoy the game and just play as Queen of Hearts, and you'll get just as much excitement as being a hardcore Disney nerd like myself. Yeah. Find- or just big croquet fans. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or Do just you- simply mad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Do you find that uh, it's an okay gateway game? Because I know that originally when they kind of showed it to us, the they wanted it to be a really good gateway game because it was a Disney property. And I remember showing it to a few people and they were a little – they weren't overwhelmed by it because it looked easy. But mm. then there's enough complexity in its strategy and in the tactics that it's like, oh, this isn't something you just kind of leap into. I've now taught it to probably 200 people oh, throughout wow. like our various so events. Yeah, it's a good person uh, to ask. And a lot of the people look at it and just go – uh, I don't know how this is going to work. And they feel that kind of overwhelm. And I always just go, no, no, I'm going to be here. I'll walk you through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And after the second round, everyone's had a second turn. Everyone is yeah. just, I love this game. And some of those people, we just recently, we had an Aladdin-themed game night a couple weeks ago. And uh, we showed Villainous as our featured game. And every single person that sat down had never played it before. And they all walked away going, where can I buy this? Oh, awesome. And you said, nowhere it's sold out online. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But we gave away a bunch of copies that night, too. So some people got lucky. Oh, very Um, fun. When you do that, do you get free copies from publishers to do those giveaways? Yes, we do. That's really cool. So we work with publishers and we offer a lot of uh, social media promotion in exchange for what we're doing. And then, of course, a lot of love at the event. We encourage people at the events to tag and post about the publishers, too. And uh, some of them do. It's nice. Um, But, yeah. Uh, a lot of those people at our events too we get every level of gamer from people that have only played like Uno and Monopoly to like hardcore strategy gamers yeah so that's good to hear I was worried otherwise but like it's it's great that it's still accessible like that yeah I've, I've yet to come across somebody that actively did not like the game cool yeah it's a great gateway game I mean I think it is a gateway game you just put somebody on Prince John whose only goal is to earn 20 yeah. coins yeah. that is yeah. a good which they think is going to be really easy to do no definitely not <laughs> All right, now you're not just a casual Disney fan; you are a Dis nerd. Absolutely. What is a Dis nerd? Uh, it is. It, it, it's, it's a term for people that are hardcore Disney fans. <laughs> uh, it's our fandom term. Like being a one or a fan of Tolkien and Lord of the Rings is being a ringer. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, I've never heard that. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're ringers. Um, I am also a ringer. And but, uh, how did the Instagram at Disney Observer come about? So I spent a lot of time at Disneyland. I have an annual pass. It is my happy place. For I'm a workaholic, as we've kind of talked about. And I decided I needed to start finding a way to at least take a day off every month. That's one day of every month. <laughs> like, not, not a one day a week. I was like, one day a month. That's where I'm going to start. Uh, and I chose that I would spend that day at Disneyland because when I'm at Disneyland, I will not check my phone for anything. Oh. Uh, and then that became more of like not it, like weekly. And then at some points it was daily when the Mad Tea Party was happening. I'd go down every night. Whoa. What's the Mad Tea Party? The Mad Tea Party was an Alice in Wonderland inspired rock band that happened in California Adventure at nighttime. And they would do four sets. And it was everything from like Guns N' Roses and Prince to like 
Kelly Clarkson songs. But uh, this is all the things you love. It's music and love. Literally, you, it, they merged everything with Wonderland, which is my number one of the Disney movies. I was like, this is amazing. Um, so cool. And so then I just, I wanted an outlook, uh, some, some sort of place that I could just talk about all my Disney stuff because I felt like high voltage and my personal branding was overwhelmingly Disney. Uh, so I started Disney Observer. Oh, very fun. And you don't do that alone, right? You- I don't. I uh, After the second year of running it, I decided to bring some other friends in because there's so much content to cover in Disney that it was like overwhelming. So yeah. now me and my friend Tiffany run the account and we both kind of tag team on events and stuff. Awesome. How many times is a normal amount of times for an, a, a, a sane person to go to Disneyland if you're living in Los Angeles per year? Are a sane person or a Disney person? Yeah, uh, key, key detail there. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is an intervention, is what oh, this is. Okay, yeah, no, right, yeah. Your family called, they asked us to bring you in this podcast, and I see. <laughs> it's an intervention. Uh, I mean, I would say for like a casual fan going a couple times a year, I was like, but I'm definitely there at least once a week. Once a week? Yeah. And we should mention, that's an hour and a half drive, uh, right? If, if you're lucky, I've done it in 33 minutes without speeding. Wow. But traffic has to be right on point. <laughs> I was like, uh, otherwise it can take up to five hours That's if nuts. traffic is really bad. Yes, definitely it can. I'm a person that went, Was we had an annual pass, but it was a good a good excuse for when friends from out of town were in town anyway. It's like, well, you're going down to Disneyland. We would love to spend the day with you, but you're going to be there all day, so we'll go with you. And like, we always had a really great time. I'm always curious about how people can go continually like that because do you still get the same enjoyment every time or like I mean Absolutely. I know they do events there and stuff but like yeah is it what every is it about that every single repetition? time I've gone to Disney I've done something I haven't done before oh wow there is constantly new things coming out at the park from new food like new like t- they're like re what's the word I'm looking for re- redesigning refurbishing, like uh, like rides like mm-hmm. you know Peter Pan will get like better technology or whatever it is Peter and Pan's a great ride Peter Pan's amazing um, and not to mention I'm a very big proponent of any, I love taking people to Disneyland, that mm-hmm. you should always pop your Disney cherry on something every time you go. I was like, so never try to fit everything in. I was like, it keeps the magic alive. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and they're constantly giving us new shows and special events and all, there's new merch that comes out. So like I, it, it stays fresh every single time I go. I'm very impressed that you don't get so exhausted because I went last week and I thought this is just it's too much for me. How do you, I, but how do you I mentally deal with crowds People as well? that go to Disney without being someone like me that goes often, you try to fit everything into one day. Yeah, and it becomes and, overwhelming. And then that's like 16 miles you've walked at yeah. the end of the day and you're exhausted. I was like, I go and I'm like, today is about Pixar Pier. And I go and I have a nice leisurely lunch at Lamplight Lounge and like go ride a ride and like <laughs> take some photos and hang out with my friend and catch up about life. Like it's not about like writing everything and doing all the things. It's literally just, here's a place to hang out with people that I love. That's a magical kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) I do want to mention two different things. One, um, oh, I forget the retitle, but the Tower of Terror is now Guardians of the Galaxy themed. Yes. And what's the name of the ride? uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Mission Breakout, yes. And it was excellent because that's my favorite ride because um, I'm an adrenaline junkie and I need the most extreme uh, way that you can move my body around. (laughs) And um, so just falling, (laughs) just a straight drop over and over. It's not even just a straight, it just does this up and down, up and and down. down. Like your vertigo is all thrown off by the end of the ride. It's excellent. I love being discombobulated in that way. (laughs) Yes. But it also. That and, I, and what used to be Californian screening, Screaming, which is now the Incredicoaster, are yeah, the best rides, I think. Yeah, that's a great roller coaster. Yes, yeah. absolutely, because they're the most terrifying. And I did, I had to go by myself because I went with one friend to Disneyland and he was scared of, um, you know, anything scary. Even Space Mountain was a bit much. So, or now... Uh, Hyperspace but Mountain. But now back yes. to Space Mountain, right? Uh, no, they just went back to hyperspace no right for this launch of Galaxy's uh, Edge, Makes the sense. opening. It's very what? cool. It's now yeah. Star Wars themed with projection videos. It's only for a limited time. It's like a few but, days. But they just went back to Space Mountain recently, didn't they? They went back like six months ago. You just and put up a cardboard sign in front of it and it's fine. <laughs> it's easy I to mean, switch. And then right before that, it was Ghost Galaxy because they do Ghost Galaxy for Halloween time every year. <gasps> cool. Oh, yeah. See, this is something only a Disney insider would know uh, about. Um, but what I wanted to say about uh, 
mission breakout is that it it is it, I get so scared especially back when it was Twilight Zone themed there's just oh my gosh will I die on this ride I don't know in that <laughs> moment it's pulling back from the station and so having it be my favorite trash panda guiding me through the experience oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it brought in this like humorous element that was like this is about fun not about scary and the animatronic for Rocket is done really well like, oh, I yes. actually feel like it's Rocket when I'm in there I'm like this is awesome yeah yeah, they a did a great video job on my Instagram. Yeah. On my Instagram story, I just put that little snippet in the while you're in the waiting room yeah. going up the elevator. Mm-hmm. The production design in that whole area is really impressive. Like the the waiting in line in Disney is a shockingly fun thing at times. They put really a lot of thought into their cues to where they everything really is an immersive experience yeah. at Disney. And it's funny because when I started to become an annual pass holder, I'd also go to like Universal or Six Flags occasionally. And then I would get disappointed because yeah. I'd be standing in this really boring queue and I'd be staring at like metal scaffolding and I was like, Really? You couldn't put like a curtain here or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Like, we take that for granted. Like I never think about the aesthetics of waiting in line. That's a thought I've never <laughs> thought of in my life. And mm-hmm. then when I'm in it for 45 minutes, you're like, oh, wait, I'm in this really complex spaceport. That's really yeah. impressive. You and, know? and Disney puts little Easter eggs into a lot of those. Mm-hmm. There's often a lot of things that are interactive that people don't know about. Yeah. Like in Indiana Jones, you can like pull a rope and you'll hear somebody screaming or like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh. We, we went we so I also only recently found out last year about the hidden Mickey's. Oh, yes. which, in Pirates of the Caribbean or they're, everywhere? They're oh, everywhere. Everywhere. What? Everywhere. Hidden Mickey. We're looking at. There's one, one in my coffee cup right now. <laughs> you kind of start to see them in every pebble yes. that you see. Though, You're like, is I, that one? Yep. I heard somebody talking about it behind me on Pirates of the Caribbean, and there's this place where three barrels are tied together, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Ooh, that's one." I was like. No, it's not. Shut up. A a better one in Pirates of the Caribbean, right as you come out of the cave and you see the ship and stuff, the The cannons cannons shoot into the wall. There's a hidden Mickey of three cannon holes. Whoa. That's pretty good. That's my favorite one. One more news announcement. August 29th, 2019 is the official opening date for Galaxy's Edge, which is uh, unofficially titled Star Wars Land. August 29th is the opening date for Walt Disney World's Galaxy's Edge. Oh, Google, you betrayed me. <laughs> May 31st is opening at Disneyland. That makes a lot more sense why yeah. everybody's talking about it this week. Yep, yep. Just dub that over so I sound <laughs> smart. No, we can just redo no, it. Please no, no. will never do that. She's too honest. I'm a failure at Googling. I mean, you're not wrong. It's just the opening for Walt Disney World's version. <laughs> it's because I Googled it while we were talking. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, the Orlando well, listener base will appreciate it. Yes, they yes. will. Um, okay, well, that was for you, Orlando. Chelsea, tell us all about Galaxy's Edge, what you're excited about. Will you be there opening day? I will be there opening day. I actually leave tomorrow to go check into my hotel and get all excited with everyone. There's like a group of like 24 of us that are all have plans to like hang out at Hearthstone and Trader Sam's on Thursday night <laughs> and get excited before we have to start queuing at two in the morning, which is insane. We, we Do you bring have- a tent? Uh, n- I'm not bringing it in because we're staying on property at a hotel, but uh, they're starting the merchandise line at 2 a.m. for the park opening at 8 a.m. And then the merchandise is being released outside of Galaxy's Edge. And then to enter Galaxy's Edge, you have to have a reservation, which our reservation is from 2 to 6 p.m., which I'm I'm excited to go. Uh, so right now, only half of uh, Batu, that's the land, will be open. Uh, the Rise of the Resistance ride is opening in August. I was like, but for now, we have Smuggler's Run, which is where you pilot the Millennium Falcon and you get to, you literally have two pilots that are going to be driving it. If they do a bad job, stuff's going to break and you have two engineers behind you that have to now fix the ship. Uh I was like, and you have gunners that are also attacking stuff and like everyone has their own role that you're assigned to and I can't wait to do this. So this is sort of breaking the mold of what a traditional ride can be. And uh, so that's Smuggler's Run and Rise of the... Resistance. Resistance. Uh, explain that to me. Uh, Rise of the Resistance is going to be a 28-minute long attraction. What? Yes. How insane is that? And it's fully immersive and interactive with real characters and animatronics. You you go th- underneath, I believe, an at-at at some point. Like, uh, it, it's ridiculous <laughs> in, in the best possible sense. And kind of inspired loosely off of how LARPs would play, but in an actual Disney-built Immersive yeah. version, uh, which Disney's been playing with LARPs. I was telling you before the broadcast for several years now, they had one called Legends of Frontierland years ago, which was their test waters in Frontierland where you got to build your own character 
and literally the cast members that were in it with us helped us do whatever we wanted. So we got to like commandeer like attractions and be like, all of the legends are now gonna ride Big Thunder Mountain right now. And it was it was amazing. That's we skipped the fun. line and um and I I started High Voltage and uh, Legends of Frontierland. That was my legend name. And I had a, there was two towns, Frontierland and Rainbow Ridge. And I started the first unified newspaper. And I would show up every day <laughs> for our LARP with a newspaper uh, called High Voltage of what happened the day before in the LARP. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's and, amazing. Yeah. So like Disney, like I'm really excited for this because that from Imagineering, that was supposed to be their test of what they wanted to create inside, inside Galaxy's Edge. So besides... Rise of the Resistance, you're also going to have every cast member in the land completely in character. And there's going to be people, uh, depending on how you identify as Dark Side or Jedi or Sith or whatever, that like try to arrest you or talk to you differently. And like, uh, it's, it's, I'm really excited. Are you planning on Disney bounding at all? Because we talked a little about your fair planning... weather about costuming, and we should explain that Disney, Disney bounding bound. yes. is what you do when you want to cosplay at Disney, but it's not permitted to do so. Right, because if you're over six, you can't wear a costume at Disneyland. Is it, because they'll is think it a, you're a cast member. Is it a hard six-year-old rule? It, like, it's it's a very do they, do they card it's a hard seven year old. I don't yeah. think they're going to card you, but they'll look at you in age and height. They'll and put kind a yardstick of, next to yeah. you. Um, yeah, I am planning on Disney bounding for an opening. I, I'm going to be an Ewok because I love Ewoks. And That's adorable. And, and I'm kind of short like one, so, you know. I'm going to be checking out at Disney Observer for that Ewok cosplay. Yes. I mean, and, bounding. And, and Tiffany is bounding as Chewbacca. Oh, uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. And That's we've great. we've got a couple of Han Solos in our party as well. <laughs> Good. To keep you, keep you on track. Yep. Reined in. And, and for those also that don't know, Disney bounding is where you dress in the color scheme of a character, but it is fashion forward, fashion centric. So it's not about cosplay. It's just about taking solid colored pieces in your wardrobe and matching in the colors. So if I was Mickey Mouse, I would do black, red and maybe some yellow highlights. So what's an Ewok? Just gray? A lot of brown, uh, like brown. maybe orange for like the headpiece, depending on which Ewok you're going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But is a headband with ears permitted? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Oof. Oof. All okay. the Disney ears you want. Oh, man. I could talk about Disney all day. Is there day, someone but... who like judges how close you're getting out of the boundings? It's like, all right. <laughs> there's those no judging in the boundings. Little... I mean, maybe there's judging on Instagram of people being like, yeah, I mean, you didn't really pull that one off. But like, <laughs> ouch. Do you I, there's always not. those people. Yeah. <laughs> and we already established we don't care about them haters. Yes. I just wanted to, it's really cool that Disney is presenting LARPing to a mainstream audience. And I'm trying to tell the gatekeeper buried deep within my soul that LARPing doesn't just have to be cool because only we know about it. Everybody can have LARPing. Everybody can have it. And I, I want to see more and more of it. There's a, a LARP I'd love to participate in L.A. that's all uh, Wizarding World related. and like No big deal, but I did a LARP in Poland called the College of Wizardry. Uh. Shoha. Uh, it no longer exists. We did the last year. <laughs> but that's so cool, though. <laughs> the college was destroyed. Uh, yeah, uh, by Dragonfire, yeah. coincidentally. Daenerys? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> my favorite properties cross over in my mind constantly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that happened. All right. Now, we promised to talk about a couple more games. Yes, let's do it. So, final thoughts on Disney. Well, I just want to know if there's one, that, is there a game you actually bring into Disney and we'll play in lines, or are you too immersed in the world to even bother that? I out? haven't actually physically brought any games, although I've been wanting to bring the Snow White game from the Oppen and sit oh. and have seven of us bound as dwarves <laughs> and sit, Dude, in, and sit inside idea. Gaston's tavern playing it. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, you should pitch that to them. That's yeah. a great idea. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. You hear us, the Op, Ross? Let's make this happen. Or, or yeah, Disney. Ross. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, oh, also I got a shout out to Heads Up. This was Ellen DeGeneres' app-based game. Which we actually play a lot of at Disneyland. Yes. It's the perfect Disneyland great, line yeah. game. Yeah. And I really only think to use it when I'm at Disneyland. Uh, it's excellent. All you do is uh, you hold up on your head the phone, which has a word or a phrase or an action, and everybody else tries to get you to do that thing. And, uh, or guess the word and sometimes however. Sometimes charade style, sometimes yeah. sort of like taboo the game yeah uh, it's really really fun yeah okay let's talk about 
one of your favorite deck builders Ooh. of late. Tanto Cuore by Japanime. This game has been out for a while. It's a game of collecting sexy maids. But they, <laughs> in 2016. And most recently, we've got butlers now, too. Oh, finally. Yes. But, finally, the sexy men's. Or sexy men maids. May I propose Japanime? Like pool boys? Yeah. Which they now have in. They do? Yes. I've only played the original. Oh, so there's five expansions to Tanto Kore now. And uh, the fifth one, Winter Romance, introduces butlers, which are our men's. <sighs> yes. Good. Everybody needs to be collected. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is, uh, tell us a little more about the gameplay. Uh, so it, it's pretty straightforward deck builder of you trying to collect the right set of cards to have the most victory points at the end of the game. And there's- victory points are? Love? Uh, no, that's currency in the game. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> victory love, points are just victory points. They're just victory points in the okay. game. Love um, is currency. Love is yeah. currency. To, to play by? a card that's a serving in the game, to buy a card from the market that's employment, and, and love is currency. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Uh, it's it's a very strange game with beautiful artwork. It is beautiful artwork by uh, every version of the game. Every expansion features 11 different anime artists, like famous anime artists. Uh, but the artwork itself is very female highlighted with TNA. Uh, a lot of busty babes, uh, especially when you get to the Oktoberfest expansion, which what? is all beer maids at, at Oktoberfest. Oh, fun. Yeah. And uh, and then the game end is triggered when a pile of one type when of maid two maid tiles are completed. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, what does TNA stand for? <laughs> tits and ass. Oh, tits and ass. Yeah, okay, got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Becca playing like she doesn't. No, I didn't. I didn't know there was a abbreviation you know, like a, for it. Yeah. yeah. It took me a while to you, figure you out. You didn't the, see a chorus line. <laughs> Didn't I? Didn't. Uh, it took me a while to figure out that D and D, in relation to Game of Thrones, is not about a crossover between Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons. Yeah. Um. So you know, I'm slow on the abbreviation. Right. I game. just learned that one myself last week. Yes. Wait, I don't yeah. know this. David and, and Dan. DB. Yeah. Because we're all very mad at David Benioff and uh, DB Weiss. Sure, yep. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, I, I'm my anger is softening every day, little hey, by we little. We made it 20 minutes that time. That was pretty good. <laughs> I can't go 20 minutes in my life without talking <laughs> to, about to Game of Thrones. To be fair, she talked about her LARP in Poland, and then I said Daenerys when you said <laughs> yeah, Dragon. that's so. true. We baited her. So yeah. we maybe got 10 minutes. Yeah. Why are, well, I did say Dragonfire. <laughs> yeah. Why, uh, why are deck builders so fun? I, I don't know, so but I love them. They're so satisfying, aren't they? Yeah. I was like, I, there's so many, like, oh my God, Hogwarts Battle from the op as well. Uh, that is such a great cooperative deck builder in the, the Harry Potter up world. Yes. Uh, and, you, and you go through each school year and like, it's oh, it's done so well. Oh, yes. I love deck builders too. And I I couldn't tell you why. It, it's something about engine building and you can mm-hmm. test against yourself and how well you did last I, time. I think it's also just because I get so much decision making of like what goes into my deck that just I feel very empowered of like this is my game and my strategy. I'm in control. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas and- like, you know, villainous, you're not building a deck. I was like, you're just hoping that you get the right cards yeah. out. Whereas at least I know, oh, there's that card in my deck and I haven't seen it come up yet that might come in the next round like one of my favorite things as a kid playing magic the gathering was like the i've never heard of it the (laughs) deck building part of it but it was such a solo experience right Mm -hmm. and i actually liked that a lot but you did it by yourself all the time and you're like okay this is gonna be good when i get a friend to play this with right but that's what's great about now with magic you've got giant drafting events that you can go to and do it with other people right but like now you get to do that as part of the game. And like I, that never occurred to me as like a possibility as a kid. Mm. And now I really love that element. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> and I love the currency of love. Yes. <laughs> if well, only we could Funny all... enough, the mechanic in Winter Romance is also about coupling maids and butlers. So you're trying to form relationships between your staff now. <laughs> okay. So it's matchmaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And for those of you out there that have looked at the artwork for Tanto Kore or Japanime titles in general, and it has thrown you off because maybe it's too risque for you, I have to say I was the same way until I actually sat down to play the game one day, and then I fell in love with the game. So get past the artwork. It's just artwork. The mechanics of the game are fantastic. And then, you, But then you're going to start to love that TNA, you know what I mean? <laughs> Once you let that TNA into your life, 
You just become all about that TNA. Like, are you a TNA? I mean, I, I started to want to dress like the maids in Tonto Kore after I started playing the game for a while. Like, it's just subconsciously, I was like, I kind of want to go to Anime Expo. I kind of want to go to the Maid Cafe mm. now. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, Maid Cafe in in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about this. This is a just a maid themed restaurant where mm-hmm. you pay by the minute, I believe, cool. to have sexy maids uh, serve you coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, someday we'll all collectively, everyone who listens to this podcast, take a little trip to the main cafe together. Uh, yeah, let's I've always do it. wanted let's to find order... a butler cafe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a butler cafe. I want him to have like, uh, like a butler style. uniform, but with uh, but with like assless chaps yeah. kind of style. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. what you meant by chapping mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And a bow tie. Yep. Uh, what what's your dream, Jake? Oh. <laughs> That's that's what I have to follow up with my dreams. <laughs> yep, yep. I've always wanted to hire the maids that we see, um, the sexy maids that we see advertised around Los Angeles, but then just have them clean the house and not even Topless be there. Topless maids actually is the <laughs> brand you're referring to. Yeah, but yep. then I'm not going to even be at the house. <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah, just make sure to really get the living room up top by the counters. <laughs> cool. I want them really well dusted. Nice Thank you. See you, guys later. you need Bye. me to take my top off? Yes, I would actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you're going to do that. Still, right? I'm just not going to be present. Uh, the idea of you being topless is enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Wait till I I'm, leave before. Before you take your shirt off. I'm very but comfortable please. at the park knowing your top was in my yeah. house. Yeah. I would like for you to be the most comfortable while you clean my house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get it. That's, the that's what that company's about. Yeah. Okay. And your wife is cool every time you hire topless maids? And... Uh, she also will be out of the house. Nobody's going to... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your house is going to be clean, Becca. That's the point. The point is a clean house. Yeah, clean 100%. House. Yeah, that's the point. Anyway, pink truck van. You'll see it around Los Angeles. If you want the number, it's... um On the side. It's on the yeah. side Huge. of the van. <laughs> that, that is the selling point for tourism in Los Angeles is to find the topless made truck. That, yeah. <laughs> There's one more game I want to talk about that I've just uh, watched a fun little video from the Rules Girl about, but have not played yet myself. It's called Push. Push from Ravensburger, yes. What's Push? Push is a push-your-luck game. It's a card game that looks like Uno, but is not Uno at all. Uh, Could you play it with Uno cards? No, no, but the cards just look like Uno cards because they're numbers and color-based. And you're basically set-collecting as you go, but pushing your luck in order to get those cards to set-collect. I was like, and if you push too far, you don't get any cards, but everybody else gets to take cards. Ah. Yes. So you have a number of stacks equal to the number of players? Not to the number Not of players. Not necessarily. I was like, it's a, you, you can build stacks up to three piles. So you turn over a card from the deck and you put it down. And then you pull. if you want to keep going, you take the next card that's pushing, pushing your luck. Uh, you, if it's not the same color or number, you can put it on that pile or you can start a new pile. But you can only start up to three new piles. So if you pull a five, a five, and a five, and then you decide to push your luck and go for another one, and it's a five. Oh, no. You've gone too far. You're done. And so you don't get any cards, and you have to roll the dice, and whatever color you land on, you have to discard every color of that card, every card of that color that you have. Now, for those three piles full of fives... Does the next person have to grab a stack or can they keep flipping? The next person grabs a stack and everybody grabs it like in order until the stacks are gone. And then the next person does the same thing and they start building piles. Now you can stop pushing your luck at any point and just be like, I'm just going to take this pile now. But it's a smaller pile if you wait for... (laughs) Not necessarily. I mean, I've gone to where the pile has like seven cards without busting and then I'm like and here we go yeah, I like that's how in the you theoretical it. scenario you're already like no we need, to keep no, going. we need to keep going we everybody. have to <laughs> oh so when we've played this at our events this is now the number one game at our game nights everybody really? wants to play push all the time we, you start hearing people in a back corner every night just going push 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 <laughs> push push, push. <laughs> oh I love it it's like uh, and that person happened to be giving birth but the people at the next table were playing push <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> natural birth in a bar uh, I love this game, and you know what? It just I've realized it reminds me of one of my old favorite games that I used to talk about and play all the time, which is Farkle. Oh, I don't oh, know no, Farkle. Wow. Farkle That's is a Midwest it's callback. Just dice. Farkle is the name of a character in Girl Meets World. Oh, really? Yes. Maybe that's what they're named after. Did they push their luck a lot? 
Not really. Hmm. Well, this game is just dice. It kind of reminds you of like Yahtzee a little bit. Uh, yeah. You're you're rolling, and uh, you can keep as many dice of your roll of six dice uh, each time that you want, or you can re-roll as many as you want, and then whenever you're happy, you stop. And the points have point values for you know a straight or three of a kind or four of a kind. Uh, pairs don't get you anything unless you have three pairs, and it's very much push your luck because you can just keep. Uh, re-rolling, but once you've locked a die, it's totally locked. Mm-hmm. Unless all six of your dice have values, and then they're exploding dice, and then you can re-roll everything. Um, and there's a house rule I like to play with, where the next person, instead of resetting, going to zero points, can piggyback and try and roll mm-hmm. just the one that's left over mm-hmm. and take those points. And this is a game that I didn't realize was actually marketed. I, I, uh, one of the bigger companies puts it out. I forget who... Um, Somebody that we all know. I'm gonna maybe starts with an H. Um, she just made that up. Maybe not. But it was a game that I played just at parties, just with six dice and a piece of paper. I didn't actually realize it was marketed by anyone for a while. And uh, I love to push the. I, I say always push the luck. Always. Have, have you also played Ink and Gold? Then <gasps> it's oh, a yeah. great Ink push your luck game. Yeah. Oh, tell me more. Uh, so Ink and Gold has sort of like a Indiana Jones vibe of like cave exploring for artifacts. I was like in every turn you can decide whether you want to go deeper into the cave. And it's card or based? Run out. It's card based. I have played that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the cave might start to crumble behind you if you go too deep into the cave. Yeah, right? If you pull like two cards of like either crumbling or it could be two snake cards, like you've encountered snakes and or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You don't want to get bit by a snake. That's yeah. dangerous. You'll die inside of a cave. You may be rich, but you'll I don't be like dead. Snakes. I, I have a really crazy like when I play this game, the second a snake card comes out, I get out of the cave no matter what happens. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't do snakes, no guys. Snakes. No I'm out. Snakes. I'm out. In real life as well? Yeah, in real life. I just literally okay, so one of my first dates I ever went on um with Will. Uh, back when we were dating, we went to the LA Zoo, and he was like, "Let's go to the reptile house." And I was like, "I, I can't, no, I don't want to go in there." And he's like, "No, it'll be fine. I'm with you." And I was like, "I don't think you understand. Like, I really just should not go in there." And so then, like, we walk in, and like, you've got exhibits on the right and the left side of you, and I was walking as middle in between the exhibits as you could be like no and if anybody got in my way I just stood there until somebody moved because I wasn't getting closer to and after like 20 feet in he was like oh you really have a problem okay let's get you out of here yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just, nope. uh, so would you say that you in a push your luck game you're you're a little safer of a player uh, no, I, I usually push my luck, just yeah. not when it comes to snakes. If there are snakes involved, yeah. I'm just out. You're Got out it. Okay. Even snakes on paper, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Paper snakes, no Hy- deal. Hypothetical How are you snakes, on I'm out. Shoots and ladders, if it's snakes and ladders. I have not played that game since I was like six or seven, actually. Well, it's not a real game, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you with Put uh, a pin in it. the Jafar turning into a snake yeah, card? Yeah, not okay with that. Not, cool. the, cool. not your favorite villain? Uh, when, and villainous? W- they had Aladdin, a musical spectacular, at uh, Disneyland California Adventure for a long time. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Every time yeah. it went into the snake thing, I'd be on my phone like, it's not happening right now. <laughs> like, I just, I can't do snakes. It's a legit phobia. Which is funny because I'm a Slytherin. Oh, uh, which I have not a parcel Yeah, Potterwise, I, okay. I've been sorted into Slytherin, and I'm totally a Slytherin. I'm ambitious. Green is my favorite color. Like, yeah. I just, I, I, whenever there's merch that has the snake on it, I'm like, could we just not highlight the snake? Like, yeah, let's highlight the green part. Yeah, I must say, I often get called out. I am a Gryffindor by Pottermore. Mm. Uh, you know, legit methods. It's been determined, and I have a Slytherin hat because I like green. It's, yeah. a be- it's a good color. It is know? a good color. It's a solid color. I'm Oops. also a big fan of Loki, and Loki is a lot of green and gold mm. and black as well. Yeah, Everything I loved him to be green. Yes. Mm-hmm. Clever yes. and mischievous. Love it. All right. Well, friends, we've come towards the end of our podcast, but I oh. do have a final question okay. that is kind of related to the topic we were talking about before. But if someone is not in Southern California and they want to find a board game community, mm-hmm. How would you recommend they go about doing that? I think the best place I've discovered for gamers is meetup.com. Meetup, no matter where you are, you can put in your zip code and find what's going on around you. And it's absolutely free to the user. Organizers have to pay a small fee to do it. I was like, and there's so many nerds on meetup. And it doesn't matter where I've gone in the country. If I'm traveling somewhere, I'll search on meetup to be like, is there a board game thing happening? And there's always something there. So I would definitely recommend starting with Meetup if you're having trouble locating something or visit your local friendly game store. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Friendly local game store. F- your the FLGS. Flags. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, I'll ask Jake first, but this is the question we like to ask every episode. What is something totally random that we haven't talked about yet that you would recommend to listeners? Something you're watching, something you're playing, something you're doing, something you're thinking about. Jake, you got anything? I was going to talk about breakfast again. Okay, talk no, about breakfast. No, no. <laughs> this morning for breakfast, Jake had a burrito with sweet potato <laughs> and a smoothie. Was it a green smoothie? It uh, had greens in it. That makes it a green colored broccoli and smoothie. spinach. But broccoli in a smoothie is a rough go. Yeah, that That's is a rough not, go. I, I, I regret do love it spinach, every time. Though. I'm like, I'm going to add the nutrition in here. And then every time I taste it, I'm like, why did I do this? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to talk. <laughs> um, it, it can't be gaming related. It can't be? It can be. Hmm. But, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, like if you want to talk about a book or something else. <laughs> I mean, I, if you don't have anything, I'll start. Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, I recently saw Rocket Man. Everyone's oh, yeah. got to go see Rocket Man. Yeah. I'm telling the entire world this is the movie. Uh, it's not going to get praised the way Bohemian Rhapsody did. It is not a traditional biopic. It will get praised the way that La La Land and Greatest Showman did because it is a musical fantasy. And it's fantastic. I thought that's such a cool choice. Yeah. And a good one, too. Instead of just doing another biopic, they yeah. actually went for it as like a whole musical. And, and Elton was involved in the development. He wanted them to really show how raw and human and gritty his life was. And like, so you see the addiction and the bulimia and the anger management and all of the other stuff that came out of it. Uh, his music is used to highlight pivotal moments of his life, including early childhood developments and stuff. Uh, the casting is on point. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Even uh, Richard Madden's incredible. It's what's really funny to me is uh, the two biopics we've recently gotten: Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Both bands managed by John Reed. So now John Reed has been depicted in two back-to-back films. Whoa. First by Littlefinger and now by Rob Stark. (laughs) (laughs) Back to Game of Thrones. Thrones, That's all I ask. (laughs) Bring everything back to Game of Thrones is all I ask. As long as you can do it. Yes. Uh, And out of the two, I think uh, Richard Madden did a better job. But Rocket Man, go see it. Yeah. It just came out at the time of this recording, right? Uh, Was it last week? It comes out this Friday. So by the time this comes out, nice. it'll have been out for about a so week. So did you get to see it in advance? I did. I did. I, I see a lot of things in advance being media. Whoa, being Fancy. media. Yeah. Jake, did you think of something? Yeah. Get okay. outdoors this summer. Love it. Dear You've been traveling. God, I've been traveling more than I normally do in the great state of California because yeah, I kind of forget how many awesome things are close to me. And I just I'm right. Thank you. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right here. Um, but, but in general, like uh, there's forests out there that are within driving distance of you. And I'm, if you live in a forest, then duh. Uh, if you don't live in a forest, get out there. <laughs> That's really my main recommendation is like I, I don't go to I the national parks. I was having this parks. conversation the other day about how much I want to go to Yosemite. I haven't been since the 90s. Just and went, I loved it. Just went two weeks ago with low expectations and I had my mind blown. It's my low favorite national park. Because I kind of forgot that they're grandiose. Like yeah. these, these places are amazing. Yeah. Do you not see Free Solo? El Capitan is intense. Yeah, well, it's Don Wall, baby. When you go to the base of it, it's really intense too. And you're looking at it in the, from the meadow. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you lie down? Because my neck would hurt if I craned up like that. <laughs> we, we didn't lie down, but we could see people up there, which is a trip because you're wow. just little, you know, red or white dots, depending what climbing clothes they're wearing. And it's just. <sighs> That's insane. Well, I went to Huntington Gardens last mm-hmm. week, which is a beautiful botanical garden in uh, Pasadena, California. Highly recommend. But I'm going to have to say my recommendation is. A man named Andrew McClay. He is a background actor on Game of Thrones. He's been a Stark guard nice. for several years. And Brought uh, it back to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. It's I, I live and breathe Game of Thrones, and now I don't know what to do. Just like Kit Harington, who checked himself into rehab. It's very sad. Um, I did not hear about that. Yeah, I just uh, read an article yesterday. I, I think, you know, when you have Which something that's- Which house are you, Becca? That, well, Game of Thrones Targaryen. House. Okay. You know, Stark. like everyone is. I'm a Stark. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, continue. Gardens, about background oh, actor. Yes. Just wanted to say that The Last Watch is the HBO documentary that focuses on the crew and specifically follows Andrew McClay. Um, not just him, but he's a big part of it. Who was this Which, background actor? To follow a background actor in a documentary? So awesome. <laughs> Thank you for hero. highlighting BG. It's beautiful. And he is just a beautiful human being. And now I am a very big fan of that 
gentlemen. Nice. So I uh, highly recommend. It's it's pretty slow. It's a lot of in the weeds. If you're in production, it's very interesting seeing how like the mundane activities of the food truck that is up all night on the night shoots with them and stuff like that. Go on. Um, but... But yeah, but uh, uh, the food trucks I on see a lot of these sites. Ooh. options. Ooh. Did they talk about the crazy amount of celebrity cameos that are in like the wildlings and the walkers and stuff? No, they talked about they interviewed crazy several conditions. interviews. Uh, it was a lot of. It also followed the uh, Master of Snow. <laughs> Nice. Oh yeah. yeah, the guy who is in charge of placing snow. snow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was also a big part, and it's That's just so so, awesome. so incredibly grueling and intense, and it just reminds Three you how much for goes the into crew it. on every TV and film that is out there, and podcast and whatnot. There is so much amazing behind the scenes, minute detail that happens. Kudos, everyone! You guys deserve way more praise than everyone gives you. Very Aww. true. But now we've given it to you, so now we're done. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> That's her sentiment, not mine. <laughs> Chelsea, you're amazing, and it was so nice too, to talk Becca. to you today. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having me. Ah, my pleasure. Jake, you're As pretty great. always, Becca, I feel great. Ah, it's a great day. All right, friends, go out there and play some games. And remember to tell your friends to listen to Victory Points and uh, make sure you th- like and subscribe and click all the buttons and uh, tell people about us. Okay, see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.